Blog Talk Radio. Great joy and good afternoon, my friend. The Nepalese Meditation Bowl is chiming, centering your mind and delight on the art of the CEO, the show that brings you the most fascinating and, well, really the most helpful leaders in the business community from all around our terrestrial orb. I am Bart Jackson, your Hieronymus Bosch of business. And this very day, you are going to learn to stop killing yourself. You're going to learn how to get more productive. You're going to learn to throw off the shackles of that hard labor myth, and you are literally going to salvage your spirit, career, and your life. And just how are you going to do all of that? You are going to learn to lift your nose from the grindstone, and you're going to take a hard break from your exhaustive work routine. And you're going to learn all this from an experienced expert, a fiscal wizard, Mr. Aaron Edelhei, who himself has been down that road of the uh, workaholic overload. And Aaron has taken this vital step back into a real life by halting the madness and restructuring his own life since setting aside one day with no tech connection and no being on call, in other words, Aaron has built the case for what some might call a Sabbath day, some might call it a recreation day, but by any sober cat, it is that day away from the rush that allowing you to refine yourself and rebuild a much better you. So finally, after establishing a hard break in his own business life, Aaron spent three years of his hard thought and research setting down on paper a very cogent book called The Hard Break, The Case for the 24-6 Lifestyle. Words of wisdom from one who knows. So whether you are a former Major League Baseball player now launching an insurance empire and seeking a joyfully balanced life like Brian, or you're a a hedge fund developer who's taking a bodhisattva pause to instruct women on fiscal realities like Kristen, pull up your chair a little closer. Join us in this feast of wisdom, all carefully cuisined to make your career thrive and your adventures flourish. Aaron, I'm so glad that you've been able to come by and join us today and lift our heads toward more uh, uh, powerful and productive vistas. Well, thank you very much for having me. I really appreciate it. Oh, that's great. I, I've got to look, looking back at having looked through your book and heard your story. Uh, I mean, so here you are, uh, Aaron Edelheit, success. You are. And you're stuffing Nexium in for acid reflux. You're screaming at your business partner amidst a thriving enterprise. You're getting gripping stomach pains. You're sobbing uncontrollably in the shower like a baby. And all this before the current administration, I might add. I, I don't get it. You were the enviable American dream businessman. So could you tell us, first of all, but before you get into that, what was going right in your life? Why should you have been as, as happy as a lark? Well, I think what happened is, so for four or five years, I was kind of on the top top of the world uh, business-wise, uh. and I was, um, you know, just doing really well, but I was working all the time, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and my health started declining, and I started really, uh, you know, kind of suffering, and then... Um, it wasn't really till my business I started running into some troubles around business and the results mm. started to not be as successful as they were. That's when I started to struggle. Uh, and my first thought yeah. was I'm going to double down 
I'm going to work even harder. I'm going to put even more hours. And that actually didn't <laughs> help at all. It actually made things worse. And so I found myself, and this is how I start the book, you know, kind of crying in the shower because I didn't know what was wrong. I was completely overwhelmed, completely stressed out. Um, and I, you know, that, that's when I kind of realized I had to do something different that I wasn't, no, was I completely, you know, had no balance whatsoever, but I, I was, um, I, I, I needed to do something different because I wasn't getting the business results. And that's what kind of drove me to start uh, thinking about taking a break and taking a Sabbath. Um, and I actually, all I could do is I could start with like, I just kind of fell back into the, I fell into this just like, Hey, I'm going to turn off my phone on a Saturday morning mm. and I'm going to try to right. take a break. And that seemed like a gargantuan task to me. It seemed like, how could I possibly do it? Which is so silly in hindsight. <laughs> and then it was after a couple of weeks and months, I built that up. And, and what I found is that taking that day off from work, being disconnected, completely transformed my life and transformed my business life as well. I, I think it's great. Now, I just, I, I, you really came through this the right way. Um, but the, uh, I, and I must say the story, uh, my friend, of what uh, brought Aaron to his epiphany makes a fascinating read in his excellent The Heartbreak, The Case for the 24-6 Lifestyle. And you, I'll, I'll let you read it. Could you... Uh, Aaron, just to help us uh, get get an idea of of your work without end existence, uh, I I know that you put in even six hours of, of non cuddling labor on your on your honeymoon. Could, just so I understand, give us a picture of your previous work schedules and emotional devotion. Uh, just, well, just it, was just, it was just that I was I was just working all the time. So what it meant was yeah. that my phone was on, even on the weekends, I was checking email, I was working, I was connected all the time. And this is how, right. you know, most people are. And what it, what it wasn't allowing me to do is to give my brain a break. And so yeah. I still work really hard. I still work sometimes late at night. Don't get me wrong that I don't work. I'm still a workaholic. I wrote this book half right. to myself, but what is, what I what I'm trying to do is you know is by completely disconnecting is giving myself a regular break. I, I get a vacation every week. Who doesn't want? I that? think I think that's vital. It's vital. If you've just joined us, you are listening to the Art of the CEO Radio Show, which every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time streams magically through the uh, often nearly ethical realms of cyberspace, where you may listen and download it, uh, this show and all our shows by visiting theartoftheceo.com. That's theartoftheceo.com. We are on several radio stations and endless internet streams, but the best way to find us is theartoftheceo.com. Now, uh, Aaron, we Americans love hard work. I mean, you know, the, the average American uh, labors, according to our own uh, Bureau of Labor Statistics, 20, uh, 2,200 hours annually, which is 200 hours more than the average Japanese, I might add. And it's and in Europe, it's about somewhere, depending on the country, between 14 and 18,000 uh, annual hours. Uh, but look at us. We produce more than anybody else. So So long, hard hours must equal greater pro- productivity, right? Well, well, 
that's German, um, works uh-huh. about 1,400, 1400 hours uh, a year and substantially uh-huh. less than the average American. And if you look at GDP per capita or basically per person, <laughs> Oops. We, we, have the, we have the same level of, G, of GDP or economic output, even though we work substantially more hours. It's even more stark between uh, Germans and Americans. A, a better example I like to use are the Greeks. So the Greeks work mm-hmm. uh, on average 1,800 hours a year, and the Germans okay. work 1,400 hours. And no offense to the Greeks, right. but if you were to employ a people based a company based on productivity, uh, you'd much rather have it in, in Germany and have German productivity and efficiency than, uh, than to base it in Greece. And so, but, but, but the uh, Greeks work 400 more hours. It has nothing to do, <laughs> and this has been proved many, many times, more hours worked does not equal better results. It's just that simple. I'm so glad you said that. And I, I wish Aaron has, it's a bit earlier in the show, but Aaron, you have just given us a, what we call a quill pen moment. And that is a timeless business truth. So I would like you all to listen to what Aaron said. Put your pens in your ink wells, write that down, that longer hours do not make greater productivity. Thank you for saying that. Now, Aaron, you've also said that the sports world was one of the leaders in this uh, high performance through less hours trend, right? Yes, that's right. And so, you know, sports has really experienced a data revolution across uh, uh. baseball, basketball, football. And once they started mm. looking at the data, they said to themselves, wait a minute. Why are pitchers pitching complete games? Why are we trying to strive to get pitchers to pitch nine innings? Data mm-hmm. clearly shows once you throw more than 100 pitches, your performance mm-hmm. plunges. And now yeah. we have where starting pitchers may pitch five or six innings. And then you have all right. these specialty pitchers. And, in fact, there was a big brouhaha um, over the Cubs uh, Arnaldus Chapman being yeah. exhausted as the relay pitcher and almost costing the Cubs the World Series. Um, it's gotten <laughs> that specialized. And it's the same thing in football where you have stars uh, who are – uh, they're quite, you know, the star players sleep nine to ten hours a, uh, a day during oh, the season. Yeah. James has uh, has a practice when they go into the playoffs. He calls it zero dark thirty, where he turns off his phone, turns off all social media. So more and more, you know, these sports figures are realizing that it's about deliberate practice, hard work, then break, rest. And the question isn't mm. whether you should rest, but for how long. And they're spreading ah. how long it is. And it's because of the value of the player. So then my question is, how come this data revolution hasn't translated to the business world? Why is it that sports stars need to rest and recover, but executives, CEOs, entrepreneurs, driven and ambitious people don't need to rest their brains? It doesn't make any sense. Oh. Well, we absolutely do, and I, I, I mean, I totally agree with you. I think that the part of it is there is the we we are under 
the Horatio Alger myth, you know, that gumption and hard work are what it takes to succeed in business. Now, Aaron, you have succeeded at a whole series of business, and you know as well as anybody that hard work is required but it's no guarantee and that you take you have succeeded in your businesses because of a lot more than just putting in the hours showing up is nice but it ain't it ain't the only thing right no that's exactly right but it it's not just hard work it's about working smarter and it's about ah. uh you do need to work hard but taking yeah. anything taken to extreme can be bad. And so you can work really hard, but you just need to make sure that you're building in a regular rest and recovery cycle so that you can sustain that level of hard work in the long term. That's the point of what I'm trying to make is that it's all, well, I think it's about sustaining it for the long term. Right. Okay, and I think that is something that if you you want to look at the uh, the life of your business, we 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 tend to be in our own business world. We're very short sighted. We look at the quarter instead of the law, uh, instead of even the fiscal year or the five year plan. And I think there is another myth behind all of this, and that is that uh, in America's work workaholism. And what I I think I I really feel strongly that we labor under the myth of busyness as a moral imperative it's it's a sin to be seen idle am i correct in that would you feel well yeah and not only that they've now proven that the more busy that you show yourself to be the more status (laughs) people infer that you have and so somehow what has changed in the Uh, last 30 years is that it's gone hmm. from you show your wealth and your status by the things you have, and now you show your wealth and status by how busy and how extreme your schedule is. And this translates to articles in the Wall Street Journal, basically saying, hey, the best time for executives at 4 a.m., and people compete and show how overwhelmed they are. Oh, look how busy I am. And it's total insanity. If you think about it, the whole point to make money is to be free and to control your own time and to let time be yours and not be the subject or slave to somebody else. And, you know, one of the things that I was thinking about is, you know, it's not just work, Mm -hmm. but it's also technology. Technology is this amazing thing. I'm addicted to my phone just as much as anyone. But when you have Mm -hmm. your phone on every day, Every second, you may not realize it. Yes, it gives you the freedom to go to this place and that. You can respond at any time. Yeah, yeah. Great. Every single contact of yours, every social right. media contact, every person who uh-huh. has your email and phone number and can text you, they you have ceded control to give them the ability to contact uh. you. You may think, oh, well, I don't have to respond, but they know you will have read it. Why would why are right. we willing? How did this come to be that we're willing to give control to every single person we've ever met to contact us at all times? You know that's a 
very interesting thing. I was looking, when I was reading your book, I looked at things historically, and I thought that there's been three times in our history, uh, and more actually, but, but the three that came to my mind, when man has become driven uh, to, to tending his possessions. And the first was herding, when you, because, uh, and I, I've seen this actually in Tibet, that you have, if you have a group of animals, you really do have to get them to the Shangri-La. You have to, you can't take take a vacation and say, well, I'll, I'll go back and, and, and hope the axe will still be there. Uh, so the, and But they worked out ways to do it. The next thing came in the machine age when we started having machines that could rumble along uh, 24-7. We had little chimney sweepers and, and, and urchins killing themselves in, in factories. And then protocols got worked out. And now we have this technology age that you, that you have just described so very, very well and how we have acceded our, our uh, freedom and our emotions to it. Is it. Isn't it just... Do you, do you think we will work out protocols this, for this? I mean, we do need to say uh, I think we will. enough's I enough. Think we're just starting to, I think we're just starting to grapple with what this means and that we're being overwhelmed mm. with this onslaught of communication and information. We've never been this connected before, and I don't think people have the tools or really understand. I don't think we understand as a society, as a people, what this means. And it's very, very clear yeah. there's a downside. First of all, the technology is amazing. The fact that I can communicate to anyone, anywhere, I can FaceTime my, my, my parents, can, can video chat seamlessly and at any second with their grandchildren, even though they're thousands of miles away. It's a miraculous technology. However, yeah, yeah. it's very clear. It's very, very clear that there are some significant downsides and there's something wrong mm-hmm. going on. We all oh, yes. sense that people are more anxious. They're more angry. They're more, and, mm-hmm. and, and something is not right. And we see that, um, you know, medication for depression is at an all-time high. And that the number one yeah, way uh-huh. that middle school ki- kids die now is from suicide. College campuses. Which is just terrifying. Mental health oh, uh, issues God. where it's growing double digit percentages. I, I think all of this is related to the fact that we are not machines and we are not meant to consume this torrent of information at every waking moment. I think you're absolutely right. And uh, we are now, so let's pause for a moment. And we're gonna we're gonna now we're going to come up with a solution after uh, well after we're I think it's time we to take a brief survey from uh, the feast that uh, Aaron has so wisely laid before us here, and so allow me if you will to offer a few utensils uh, for today's feast. And so my first utensil, as I always do, allow me to remind each of you hearing my voice that the good Lord has gifted you with the title and privileges of Chief Executive Officer of yourself. And since that's really the most important position you'll ever hold in your career, uh, please allow me to ask, will this be the day that you take a look at your recent victories and bring to mind all those hidden strengths that you employ, that you employ so deftly? Uh, or 
Will you continue to uh, underrate your marvelous powers and let them go, go, go away into routine? The choice, my friend, is truly yours. And the second uh, utensil, I can sense your yearning to steep your lips into a little laughter and taste a scriptural recitation from the 101 Best Business Quips book. And so today I am thumbing through it. Oh, here, here's one that fits. This is number 68. <clears throat> I'm not sure if our workdays actually run longer under our new manager. Actually, I think they just seem longer. <laughs> At any rate, you, you, this, as an afterthought, it reminds me of when my boss, my first boss, uh, came before me and I said, I told him that I was really, really willing to work hard. And he responded with, Son, I don't care how hard you work. I only care how well you produce. And he then proceeded to make my work life so exciting that I forgot all about how hard anyway. But So what do you think, Aaron? Did my boss give a good answer? Yes, he did. The only thing that matters uh, in business is results. And that's what truly. people should be focused on. And too much people are focused on signaling to others that mm-hmm. – for show. Like, look at my commitment oh. to the company. I'm working late. Oh, man, that guy left at five. Oh, he won't answer emails on vacation. I will. And I actually tell a story about an executive that worked at my past company that I founded. And he used to tell me, I'm, I'm putting in the third shift. And I would say to myself, oh, oh wow, he's working really hard. You ask, what is the third shift? Yeah. After midnight, he'd be plugging away because he had so much to do. And his direct reports were telling me. And then as I relate my company, just my my past company, is I started a company buying foreclosed homes, fixing them up, renting them out. Started with 16 Mm. homes in 2009, built it to 2,500 single-family rental. At a high, I had 180 employees. And then three years ago, we started the company. But we ran into Great. trouble because we grew too fast. And when we had uh-huh. to look at what was going wrong in our operations, and we started peeling back. This one executive who was like, uh-huh. I, you were signaling so hard. I'm and sending emails at tw- midnight and 1 a.m. and all times. We found he was actually one of the most ineffective employees in our company. And he was no completely kidding. disorganized. No and the reason why he was working so hard is one to signal to us. Yeah, that's true. And he was doing a very and the good other job one was managing everything. Right. I think you're absolutely right. You're true. Oh, let me see. Let's go on quickly here. We'll get, we have a third utensil. Uh, and uh, oh yes. Right now, we're, uh, with the third utensil, we will sumptuously spoon to you uh, the answer to last week's business quotation. Uh, that is, the name of the individual who said, the way to get things done is not to concern yourself with who gets credit for doing them. Those words were spoken by none other than the scholar and agile-minded uh, uh, individual who remade the Oxford University, Mr. Benjamin Jowett. So congratulations to all you winners, and stick with us, because... Blurting your way soon in, in the show will come another enriching quotation. And if you are among the learned souls who knows the author of that quote, simply scribble that sage's name down as you believe him or to be and email it right off to info at bartsbooks.com. And if you are correct, your knowledge will earn you a career-igniting gift freshly disemboweled from the dungeons of Bart's Books Bookstore. 
Now, uh, before we return to Aaron Edelheit to discover how you may productively rebuild your own life by unhooking and taking a hard break, allow me to introduce you to the company by whose good graces we're here today, and that firm is Princeton Internet Users Group. My friend, you do not need me to tell you that how much of your uh, success in business is de- uh, dependent on the website you have, whether you are total retail uh, from a shop or online, selling B2B or goat-to-goat, it doesn't matter. You need a top website to, to carry you forward. And Rob Frieda and uh, Michael Blank and all the folks down at Princeton Internet Users Group have been their experience. They've been there helping brand-new firms and Fortune 100 firms get good sites right through from the 1990s on. They're, the nice thing I like about them is that they're personal. You can come to the office, sit there, and or on the phone. They talk English and over techno babble, and they personally will sit there and work with you. They are they're really like a fine waiter at an elite eating establishment. They're there when you want them. They make recommendations and suggestions, but they still understand entirely what you are looking for, and they follow what you want, and they carry out the orders as you would wish. Thanks, sir. They do. And they're agile. So if you are planning to grow your business or if you're uh if you would like to get a little more secure within your internet experience uh as we all would have a nose or if you're moving taking a step out and abroad into foreign uh foreign shores you really could use the help of princeton internet users group just go to ping.com and or just look up princeton internet users group and you will get a hold of rob frieda and his team and you will find that you are having a site that carries on and does what you'd like it to do. So car- uh, carpe diem, my friend, go get them because you are worth it. And now with utensils in hand, let's get uh, back to Aaron Edelheit, whose personal journey to hell and back is going to teach us some more benefits. Uh, Aaron, you were telling us about technology. We've sort of covered all uh, the downside that we're going into. So let's move into uh, the the Sabbath for uh, or the full day's escape from the grinding stone of labor. Define for us um, what you mean by that that heartbreak. I, I, it's it's. I'm going to say my my um, my my heartbreak day is Saturday. What what do I do? What's what do I do on beginning Friday night? Uh, how do so, I take the heartbreak? So, what, what, so I can tell you how – so the idea of a heartbreak is to separate out what you normally do and make this day different. So for me, I'm normally running around. I've got a million appointments. I'm answering emails, phone calls, texts at all times. And I turn right. my phone off, completely off for a day. Mike, good for you. I'm not to talk business, not always successful. Mm-hmm. What I do is if I have, I do one, maybe two activities in that cold day. Uh-huh. And I try to do different things. 
which is I'll go for a walk. Like I'll even take a nap. I'll read for pleasure instead of trying to improve myself or trying to learn skills. <laughs> and right. I'll spend time with family and friends. When I during the week I do something, I did it today. I call it panic eating. And that's where because I'm so busy, I also have three small children that I'm shoveling right. food as fast as possible into my mouth because there's so many mm. different things. And instead, on my incorporate for the Sabbath, I'm not in a rush. I try not to shovel mm. food down my throat. And I try to enjoy right. the company of the people that I'm meeting with. Mm-hmm. So, and so, I think... But people can make it their own, make it special, make it fun. Whatever things you're doing and give your brain a break. Don't Mm -hmm. overwhelm your brain. Well, along with the brain, you bring up in your book – the very the uh, the scientific study, which is that you say that the stress levels that build up uh, excessive cortisol take a full day to release from our bodies. So it's all very well to take the, to do the deep breathing and this quiet and the qu- brief meditations, but you really you're saying that the the cortisol, which becomes destructive to us, takes a full day to release. Well, that's right. That's what's really amazing. This, and I knew this anecdotally until I started working on the book. But I always right, knew right. that it's around 8 p.m. on a Saturday, and I start on Friday night. I go Friday night to Saturday night. And right around 2 or 3, I might take a break. And I'm feeling better. You know, I just start feeling mm-hmm. like Aaron. I'm not chief strategy officer, Aaron. I'm not work, Aaron. I'm uh-huh. Aaron. And it's just this great relief, and it normally takes time. And there's all these issues and interpersonal issues and work issues and uh, tasks that are undone. It takes a while to Mm -hmm. let them off. And it's fascinating to find that, you know, in academic studies, when you have cortisol, which is a marker for stress in your body, that it normally takes Mm -hmm. about a day for that cortisol to return to normal when you're stressed out. So My if you're God, not I, I don't. A day, you're not recovering. Right, right. You think and you're feeling better? That's, what, I, yeah. So what are the the health consequences? Going back to the negative, unfortunately, is if you want an eighty percent increase in your risk of coronary disease, well, then just uh-huh. work all the time. You know, if you if you want to experience sixty <laughs> oh, percent yeah. more stress than the average American. Check your work email um, when you're not working and on the weekends. Jeez. I think I think it's something I uh, I I joked when I was writing this up that that you were a good Jewish boy and you were, who grew up with remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy and I was a good Christian boy who grew up with the idea that that uh, the Sabbath was made for man not man for the Sabbath so there are within your Sabbath breaks there is a great deal of latitude in how you do it right yes that's right and the idea is just to take the principle of it and make it work right. for you in your life it's not for me to tell you what Excellent. to do and I profile that are 
secular, that are Jewish, that are Christian, that are Mormon, that are Seventh-day Adventist, um, you know, just a corporate company like Boston Consulting Group. I tell the story of how they oh, yeah. to something called predictable time off. So it's not in, in a, it's may, taking this concept of that's why I titled the book The Hard Break is to take a break right. from how you normally are operating your life, make it work for you and your family, and to try to understand what's going on with work, with technology, so that you can succeed in the long term. Aaron, thank you so much. Just so uh, to help everyone out there, how might folks get a copy of your excellent book, The Hard Break, The Case for the 24-6 Lifestyle? Well, you can uh, you can find it on Amazon or try your local bookstore, mm-hmm. and you can always go mm-hmm. to my website, uh, thehardbreak.com. And thehardbreak.com, we can also find some counseling and consulting within that. I'm sorry, can you ask that question again? Uh, as I said, we can, uh, on your website, there is uh, various counseling and consulting that we, that we can find on, on the website and for further That's advice. That's right. You can find both press articles. You can get in contact with me and send me an email. I'd love to hear uh, your thoughts or feedback. All right. Well, Aaron, thank you very much for giving us something that we so desperately need in our lives, and thank you for coming on the show. I really, really appreciate it. Well, thank you for having me, and thank you for helping spread just the message of the benefits of taking a hard break. I appreciate it. Wonderful. Great. Thanks, Aaron. So as we round out today's feast, I am Bart Jackson, your curator of business wisdom, leaving you with today's quotation, and that is, who said, if I had 16 hours to chop down a tree, I'd spend the first nine sharpening my axe? And as a hint, this 16th president of the United States was a compassionate leader who sought to bind up our nation from its wounds with malice toward none. And oh boy, do we need a leader like that now. And remember, if you know the author of this quote, simply scribble that sage's name down as you believe him or her to be and send it right off to info at bartsbooks.com to win a career-igniting gift from the dungeons of Bart's Books Bookstore. And be sure to tune in next week because the legendary, legendarily top immigration lawyer, Mr. Michael Wilde, will be talking about how we can hinge the golden door open with some sensible immigration policies uh, and how they will help and, uh, your own business in the long run. As a parting shot, in the words of my wife's husband, Probably the surest recipe for unhappiness is to believe all the fantasy success stories printed in business journals and then start comparing your progress against those fellows in adjacent cubicles. (laughs) And to you, gleefully sharing our feast, I hope you've enjoyed the Art of the CEO show as much as Aaron and I have enjoyed bringing it to you. Remember, you may download this and all our shows at theartoftheceo.com. And finally, to you, who have honored us with your time, May I say, as always, it has been a privilege. I thank you.